So we've all seen positioning map in a standard startup pitch. You know, the ones where every company is to the top right-hand corner of the map. So a positioning map is a diagram drawn to illustrate the customer's perception of the business, offering based on price or quality or some other benefit, and how the perception compares against the competitors. In today's episode, I'm going to dive into my ideas around positioning maps and how you can use them with your startup. Welcome to Fractal Startup Marketing, the podcast for founders who are frustrated that potential customers do not understand or they undervalue their innovative business solutions. My name is Jared Doyle, and each episode I interview founders or chat to you like this, openly discussing how we are tackling the seven P's of startup marketing. We'll talk about pitch, problem, promise, persona, position, promotion, and propagation. In true startup fashion, I aim to learn through collaboration and discussion. Let's get into the episode. So it's absolutely essential that you position your company uniquely and clearly in a market. If you're not positioned correctly, no one's going to understand what it is that you're offering and understand the value that you give. So a positioning statement is a short and concise internal statement about positioning your company based on a few variables and the way you want your niche persona to perceive you. I say it's an internal statement because this statement is not how you market, communicate, or frame something to your potential customers. That is, your marketing language shows your target persona where you're positioned. So if executed correctly by your marketing or product teams or yourself, if you're doing it, then your positioning statement becomes a core pillar to your brand. If you can't decide or describe what your company does in a compact form, it's possible that you aren't sure yet what your company actually does. So look, positioning is often being described as the organizational system for finding a window in your mind. And that's how Al Reese and Jack Trout described it in their book, The Positioning, A Battle for Your Mind, which was a groundbreaking work in 1981. And I mean, I was only three at the time, so I obviously didn't read it when it came out, but it's something that I've seen referenced time and time again. But if, like me, you're not a real reader and you weren't reading that book back in 1981 and you learn through visual guides, then you'll be happy to know that most of positioning statements these days start with a visual diagram, a map. And like I said before, you'll recognize these maps because it's an axis, an X and a Y axis, and all your competitors will be plotted on that axis and the two axes will have two variables. So they're the ones you recognize. And because of our nature and up and to the right is always better, that's where you look to position your map. So we see startups put these in their pictures all the time. And I generally consider with startups that there's kind of two kind of companies we're talking about. We've got disruptors and we've got innovators. And the type of startup that you are will change the way that you create your positioning map. So disrupting startups are in the business that I see around the efficiency in existing market. You know, they attempt to change the way the market functions. Whereas the innovators, arguably the more crazy founders, if you don't already consider founders crazy in the first place, are trying to create an entirely new industry. So let's, I'll try to give you some examples and look, examples are never perfect, but hopefully it works for you. So Uber, the classic example of a startup we use in a lot of our positioning statements as well, is disrupting the taxi industry. While SpaceX, for example, is creating commercial space travel. Now, to further explain the difference, because I currently can't buy a ticket to the moon, SpaceX is creating that new market. However, I could already book a taxi. So Uber's simply disrupting the way I book taxis and the way that that's done. 
As we work through our positioning maps, you'll find it easier to frame your disrupting startup against already existing concepts like taxis. And that's why I said Uber's an example that we talk about all the time, because you'll hear businesses pitch themselves as being the Uber of or the Airbnb for. In, in fact, I think in the last episode, I was talking about exactly that. It was the Airbnb for pet minding. So you can see how easy a positioning statement is if you base it off something that's already in existence. You're disrupting the way you do it. You're not creating an entirely new market. Whereas if you go back to the previous episode where I was speaking to anti-ordinary, that's a situation where they're trying to create a whole new market, a new way of doing something. So you've got the concept that I'm talking about here and you want to find your spot up and to the right of these axes. So you'll need to find and show the proof that your target persona can align to this. So let's think about how we do this. Let's think about how we assess a positioning map first, because often if we think about who we're selling it to, that helps us decide how we want to go about doing it. So I generally think about positioning maps and the way that I judge them through three questions. And I like to think investors think the same way as well. So any investors listening, if you want to jump in and criticize this, feel free. I love, I love a debate. But the first question I ask is, do you genuinely or do I genuinely believe that you've placed your company in the correct spot? Right? This is just fundamental. Some founders are delusional. They'll pretend they're always top right and they'll put wonderful things on these axes and sort of say, you know, we're going to be the highest quality and the best customer service. But if I don't really believe that, then the whole positioning map falls apart. So that's the first question. The second question is, do I believe that a customer could view the market through the lens that you've described? So when you're picking your two axes, do I believe that a customer will look at these two axes and say, yes, that's super important to me, or yes, I'm willing to consider the market in that way. And the third question is, is the market big enough? Because it's easy to find some clean air. It's easy to find a space where nobody else is competing, but is there a market for, I don't know, vegan inspired cars? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But if I don't believe that it's a big enough, if veganism isn't a big enough movement yet to play in the mainstream car market, then it's probably not an investment that I want to make. Therefore, the sub's probably not going to work. So the positioning map fails on that test. Now, we've been talking about these axes and these magical axes. And the reason why they're so important is because the questions largely are based around what you select. So there's a huge part of your business and your positioning before you get into your tactical marketing to decide, well, what are my two axes going to be? Now, my general rule is I don't want an axis being negative. And the reason why I don't want it being negative is because I don't believe competitors will position themselves in that place. So what I mean by that is if you position your product and say, our product is going to be high quality and all the competitors' products are low quality, well, you sort of think, well, what business would actively position themselves as low quality? So you're not the alternative to anything. To have a positioning map, I believe, correctly formatted, you have to believe that other companies are actively trying to position themselves in some way in that place. Now, I've seen plenty of examples that I love that don't do this, but I think this diligence makes your positioning map way more robust and it makes you really think about how you can carve out a unique place in the market. And the reason why this is a superior way to approach it rather than just sort of having good and bad at opposite ends of an axis is because it's so easy for everybody to be striving towards the good end. And so you're not going to be unique in your position. You're just going to be a level different from everybody else. And so you're going to be constantly competing. If you have a genuinely unique way of looking at a market, you've got a chance of standing out. 
Right. So in the interest of you trying to discover the best way to approach this, I've got a couple of axes options that you might like to consider. The first and the most obvious is price, but oh, look, price is one of the original four P's of advertising, but it's not one of my seven P's of startup marketing. And the reason is, is that innovation and disruption is not driven by price. It's driven by something more. Price is a poor market differentiator. It's the poor man's marketing. When you compete on price, there's only going to be one winner, the cheapest. And this is because everybody is capable of measuring price. But take a feature like quality. It's harder to measure, but it also means you can have multiple companies in the same position. The worst result for a price competitor is second place. And, and this happens in ad land and agencies as well. And experience is you pitch for a bit of work or you pitch for a client and you get second. Second's no good. It's the same as when you go for a job interview. No one likes to go for a job interview and find out they came second. That's the closest to getting the win, but you still end up with nothing. So price is a winner-take-all market and you look, you're risking everything in there. So why play in a winner-takes-all market? Let's look at some other axis options and see if we can be a little bit smarter about this. Features, look, features start with who. Over the years, I've seen that the first thing most startups and most founders try to do is talk about their product before thinking about the customer. This is a flawed strategy because people buy outcomes, they don't buy features. I don't know how much RAM my iPhone has in it anymore. Apple just says, buy this because it takes beautiful photos. So look, you can position on features and a lot of people start, a lot of founders start in that place, but I think we can do a bit better. So the obvious flow on from the second access option, which is features, is to talk about benefits. Benefits is a much smarter way to position. This is where you're starting to talk about your customer. What's the benefit to them? Why would they buy it? So if you go back to my three questions that I said before, what would an investor or someone assessing this positioning statement do? They're more likely to look at the benefits and sort of say, would a customer genuinely consider this as being a reason for doing something? Well, yes. And we all know that you sell benefits way over features. So you're going to get about a tick on that grading scale. Repositioning is another option, the fourth option. So watches for health, flows for social change. Taking the features of another market and attaching them to yours is, look, it's a great way to highlight your positioning. Repositioning is a fantastic way to come to the primal nature of positioning, which is to say, take something that you know and just change it slightly and make it work better. This tends to be something that I find works particularly well in a positioning map. Trend. So something that's moving in the right direction, you can play into this and this will tend to work into a growing market. So that third question about is the market going to be big enough? Playing into a trend is good. So you know, it would have been at one time, you could have been pitching motorbikes for rebels, which would have been Harley or shoes for punks or computers for artists, which would be Apple or shoes for punks. I don't know. I Doc Martens probably. Look, I buy a brand because I care about something. So I buy brand X because I care about Y. And if Y is an up and trending and moving situation, well, this can be smart. So, you know, before I gave the example about cars that are vegan friendly, well, Actually, if this is a trending market and this is growing, then staking a position in that market early is the right way to go. And I use that example because I just read about Porsche producing their, I think it's their first hybrid car or the first hybrid performance car anyway. And there is an option for a vegan interior, which of course, if you think about Porsche, you would think leather interior. So a vegan interior is a version of leather. And so there are companies thinking about these kind of positioning. Another area or another access option you might want to think about is customers. Look, customers aren't often ideal for startups. Customer positioning is normally 
the domain of your FMCG and your big brand. So it's where you're trying to be a carve out a space in an existing market and say, I am, for example, the shampoo for performance executives. It's, you kind of go, well, I guess if I'm trying to pick a shampoo and I consider myself a high performance executive, then that's what I'm going to be choosing. It's not something customer centric that I see much in startups. It doesn't mean it can't happen. It's typically something I see much more say when I was doing my undergrad degree in marketing. That's where I would have done that work a lot more. Competitors. This is the final example I'll give you. And there are more varieties, of course. But competitors are an interesting one. Competitors are a quick win, but at the same time could be really, really limiting. And I'll, I'll talk to this from personal experience. I'll give the example of my business. I was positioning my business against Qantas Frequent Flyers and Groupon. And the problem I had was, whilst the mix worked well and people liked the idea about it, the reality was that people saw Groupon as a failing business model. And as a failing business model, they decided that sullied my brand as well. So when you do position against competitors, it can be great, but it could be limiting. Airbnb is on a tear. Everyone loves it. But if it starts to fall apart, that can be a problem if you're aligned to Airbnb. Just like if you said you were the WeWork for something else and WeWork starts to go down, you can find you really start to struggle as well. Positioning statements also hold additional power and a special place in the hearts of startups and their founders, as they're typically included in investor pitch decks. If your startup is an innovator, you're likely to use descriptive words like modern, new, innovative, and cutting edge to attract the attention of innovative personas and to let them relax their perception of the modern world and to start to excite their neophile brains. This is why you often see people describe their business as the Uber for X or the Airbnb for Y. When you, as a disruptor, try to describe your company, your job is to highlight the shortcomings of the existing setup. You need to make those unknown knowns visible to everybody, the things that you're not quite sure about. As an example, I didn't know I had such a big issue with the accidental input of driver error in normal everyday driving until driverless cars brought that to my attention. Sure, I had an issue with speeding or drunk drivers or mobile being used while someone tears along a highway. All these things cause accidents. But when someone is doing everything we accept to be right and that person causes an accident, that's bad luck. But now I look at myself in the future and I cast my mind back to today and I try to imagine what I'll think about how we used to drive these manual metal boxes at high speeds on wheels directly past each other at really close proximity on a road where the slightest error with the steering wheel or a lack of attention resulted in a fatal accident. I'm certain that in the future, maybe not us, maybe our kids, but in the not too distant future, we will look back at cars, the way we manually drive cars today and think, what were we doing? Why did we think it was an acceptable risk to drive these metal death boxes at each other at such horrendous speed. And it's because that's the now, that's what we accept. And so it's your job to actually expand somebody's mind to realize, to show them the unknown unknowns, that your new innovative approach can completely change the way that they look at the world. So I've spoken a lot about what it is to be a disruptor or an innovator. And unfortunately, the distinction between the two is not as black and white as we'd like it be. The difference is a gradient. So when you're describing your business, you need to maybe borrow a little bit from each of those definitions to get it exactly right. But why it's so important to get it right is that it's these statements, it's this positioning statement that needs to find its way into the vision and the mission statements for your company. 
They need to be how you see the future. Your vision statement being how you see the world changing, how you see the world should be. And it's that vision that opens up people's minds to a different way of approaching something. So really your positioning statement as a marketer, I use it to position you in the market with marketing and advertising. But at its absolute core, this is the statement that you create, your vision statement and your mission statement are derived from the positioning of your company, the way that you see the world. And so I challenge you to not be lazy with your positioning statement. I challenge you not to be lazy with the map. Don't put nice to haves and really easy wins on the positioning statement on those axes. Make it something that's really difficult. Make it distinctive and give yourself some clean air in which to operate. So we'll cover the messaging a little bit later on in another podcast. But what I want you to take away from this is five questions, five questions around your positioning statement, your positioning map that I'd like you to use to challenge yourself. The first is, can you position your startup in the top right-hand corner of the positioning map? Is that real? Can you really justify your existence there? Not, that's where I'd like to be. No, this is where you are. Secondly, does your target persona care enough about the axis to break out of their inertia? In other words, you might be able to position yourself in the top right-hand corner of your positioning map, but does anyone care that it's there? Thirdly, are you able to describe all the axes in both directions as being positive? I mentioned this just before quickly, but what I mean is you can't have an axis where on one end it's desirable and the other end is undesirable because no business positions themselves as desirable. Yes, you can create a positioning map doing that, but that's the lazy approach. That's the way where it seems obvious that you're in a good spot, but it's really hard to convince people that that's a valid position to be. So really, I want everybody who listens to this to critically analyze positioning maps. And when you see one end of an axis being the lazy, the area that no one would really want to position their business, I want you to call that startup out. I want you to use radical candor to help them understand why it's important that both ends need to be positive. Fourthly, are you positioning in an existing market as a disruptor? So what you've got to think about is, If there's already a market, how are you going to change that? So how do you position yourself against the current solutions? Again, this gets back to this idea of a disruptor or an innovator. If you're a disruptor, you need to look at really who you're competing against. Who are the true competitors? If you're an innovator, you still have competitors. You have to look at what the status quo is and you need to position that on a map. You need to say, yes, there might not be somebody doing exactly what we do, But here are the different ways people are able to achieve the same outcomes at the moment. What you never want to do is create a positioning map where there are no competitors because it's just not true. And that really touches on the fifth point, which is to say, if you are creating a new market where you don't have direct competitors, make sure you do put the alternatives down there. You can create something new, something completely innovative that's never been done before, but it doesn't mean that you don't have competitors. So you can be Virgin. You can be Tesla. You can be creating commercial space flight. But what's the purpose? Maybe the purpose isn't to go to the moon. Maybe the alternative is to have a a holiday, to travel faster through space. Maybe it's just to have that adventure. If it's to have an adventure, well, you could go skydiving or scuba diving. In fact, now that I think about it, the ocean is so unexplored. Maybe the alternative to space is the ocean. The point being, there are always alternatives to things that are put out into the market. So I hope you've taken something away from this podcast, this Just Jared Speaking podcast, because positioning is one of the hardest things to get right with a startup. And founders correctly 
make themselves the target customer to start with. And that's great, but really what I want you to do is think about how you position your company in the existing market. I want you to make it so clear that everybody can instantly understand what it is that you do and the problem that you solve so they're straight on board. You don't want to find yourself trying to explain your business and people not understanding what you do. If you find yourself in a position where the only people who truly understand your business are your existing customers and they love your product, they love your service, they love what you do, but when you try to explain to a new person and they don't quite get it, then you have a positioning problem. So rewind the podcast, go back to the start and work your way through it. That's all for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I look forward to getting your feedback. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.